today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Cash and Carry Kitchens. At the heart of Irish homes for over 40 years. Cashandcarrykitchens.ie Email todaycb at rte.ie Israel is coming under increasing international pressure to drop plans for an all-out military assault on the city of Rafah following an Israeli hostage rescue operation that kills dozens of Palestinians in the early hours of Monday morning. The US President Joe Biden added his voice to growing international calls. Speaking after talks with Jordan's King Abdullah at the White House yesterday, he had this to say. The United States is working on a hostage deal between Israel and Hamas, which would bring immediate and sustained period of calm to Gaza for at least six weeks, which we could then take the time to build something more enduring. The King and I also discussed the situation in Rafah. As I said yesterday, our military operation in Rafah, the major military operation in Rafah, should not proceed without a credible plan, a credible plan for ensuring the safety and support of more than one million people sheltering there. Many people there have been displaced, displaced multiple times, fleeing the violence to the north, and now they're packed into Rafah, exposed and vulnerable. They need to be protected. And we've also been clear from the start, we oppose any forced displacement of Palestinians from Gaza. Well, that is US President Joe Biden. Well, with the very latest, let's speak to the BBC's chief international correspondent, Lise Doucette. Good morning, Lise. Good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning. So very clear warning there from Joe Biden that this should not proceed without a credible plan for all of those people who are packed into Rafa, having been displaced, as Joe Biden said, multiple times. Will Benjamin Netanyahu heed those warnings? Well, that is the big question. And it's being said today that if President Joe Biden has been so public, so critical in his comments about uh, this expected military operation in Rafah, you can only imagine what he is saying in private among his aides and to Prime Minister Netanyahu directly, to whom he spoke uh, a few days ago. This, um, this is a measure of the growing concern in the United States about a military operation which is causing a staggering number of civilian lives and ever more so as Palestinians become crammed into smaller and smaller corners of, of the Gaza Strip. The In the past, we have seen how Prime Minister Netanyahu has, despite his very public criticisms, um, has been willing to, for example, provide more humanitarian aid into Gaza. Uh, this time we're seeing that he is saying very, very carefully, we're listening to the Americans, uh, we will come up with a plan, we won't go in unless uh, there is, we have a, a, some, a way to, in his words, to evacuate the civilians. But people are saying, well, well where, where can, can they go? But equally, Prime Minister Netanyahu has been adamant in public that this war will not end until, and this is the mantra he uses, until total victory over Hamas. Mm -hmm. And just listening again and, and thinking about what Joe Biden has said, they are words. Do you believe that the Americans are willing to take action and remove supports from Israel if this storming of Rafah goes ahead? 
That that is the big question, and it has been a question that has been asked many times in public. You see it across social media, with many people saying, "Well, the words are stronger, but all that will work is if the United States stops." the flow of the arms and ammunition, the financial support that Israel needs if it is to continue its military operations on this scale. Many are remembering in 2006 in the Israel-Lebanon war, the U.S. did use that lever and it did work. This time, President Biden has shown no sign that he is ready to use this, in effect, uh, a weapon um, in, a, in this absolutely crucial relationship uh, with the with with Israel. We don't know, of course, what's being said in private, but uh, whatever is said in private very quickly gets out in public and there's been no hint uh, that they are prepared to use that. It'll be interesting to see whether anything emerges of his private talks with King Abdullah of Jordan, his first face-to-face meeting uh, with an Arab leader since the October 7th war. King Abdullah of Jordan has been very, very concerned since the very beginning. I was reading in the BBC copy this morning that Saudi Arabia has warned of serious consequences if Israel goes in to Rafa. What do you read into that threat? Very stark warnings from Saudi Arabia. And Saudi Arabia, of course, is is a crucial player in the Americans' long-term plans for the region, which include neighbouring Arab states. In fact, depend on neighbouring Arab states. A key, a key part of the package that the US Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, is trying to develop is that there would be an eventual normalisation of relationships, a relationship between Saudi Arabia and Israel. It's something... Israel very much wants. And of course, Saudi Arabia, wealthy Gulf state, would have to play a key role in any rebuilding of Gaza, which has to be done someday. Mm-hmm. Just as critically, Egypt, the people of Rafah, about half of the population of Gaza, more than a million people who've been displaced, some as many as six times, are now crammed into this small corner in the south, right up against the fence on the Egyptian border. And the Egyptians have warned of dire consequences, uh, huge humanitarian catastrophe. If there is a military operation in Gaza, even warning, although they've rolled, they've you know rolled back a bit on it, saying that their peace treaty with Israel could be suspended if Israel undertakes an operation which basically pushes uh, hundreds of thousands of Gazans across the border into Egypt. And the Egypt's, Egyptians have been saying that right from the start, because I remember at the beginning when there was talk of the crossing down at near Rafa to the south being open to allow people through. The warning was very stark there. We don't want hundreds of thousands, possibly millions of refugees coming into Egypt from Gaza. That has been their position from the get-go. This is a nightmare scenario for Egypt. Of course, it plays a crucial role in providing the only crossing. Well, now the other crossings from Israel have opened. But for the most part, for the last four months, Rafah has been the main crossing uh, to allow people to leave. The small number who've been able to leave, mainly foreign passport holders, and though and the trucks uh, with desperately needed aid to come in. But what Egypt hasn't wanted is, and this has been called for by many right-wing members of Prime Minister Netanyahu's cabinet, it doesn't want there to be a so-called temporary camp for uh, Gazans on the other side of the border, on Egypt's side, because the history of the Middle East is that temporary displacements always become permanent. It also will mark another terrible chapter 
of forced transfer. Uh, both uh, President Sisi of Egypt, all the Arab leaders, and King Abdullah of Jordan emphasized that again uh, yesterday to in, in Washington. Uh, also, Egypt worries it has its own problem with Islamic militancy in the Sinai Peninsula. So it is worried about the uh, the security impact, the financial impact, the moral impact. It is some. It is a huge red line for Egypt and for other Arab states, for that matter. Mm. I see in the last and for the Gazans and for Palestinians. Lisa, in the last couple of minutes, the German foreign minister has been out saying that uh, they're particularly concerned about this Israeli announcement of the military offence in Rafah, and I'm just seeing the lines coming through now, flashing uh, on the wires. Israel has the right to defend itself against terrorism, but this doesn't mean expulsion. Are you surprised at all that Germany is taking that stance today? I think one after another, uh, Western leaders are falling into line, Arab leaders, everyone, and of course, uh, humanitarian agencies expressing alarm about a Rafa operation. But from Israel, from its top military and political leaders, we hear something completely different. Even Benny Gantz, who has a key member of uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu's war cabinet um, and a political rival to Prime Minister Netanyahu, has said we, we have to do it at some point. They believe that at least four of the six remaining battalions of Hamas are based in Rafah. They believe that some of the hostages are there. And in fact, they rescued two hostages there in, in recent days at a great cost Palestinian lives, it has to be said. Uh, they also believe that their most wanted men could be there, but it's also possible they escape through tunnels which lead into Egypt. So right now it's very hard to square the circle. I just remember from the very first days on the ground after the October 7th war erupted, uh, Israelis saying to me, right from people you meet on the street to top leaders that saying, this time when Western leaders tell us to stop the offensive, this time we are not going to listen. They say the law. That's why other military operations never succeeded, is we stopped too early. This mm-hmm. time, again, to use Prime Minister Netanyahu's phrase, although he does have a lot of opposition, total victory, if, if indeed that is possible. That's what he wants. And then Joe Biden's plan, the Americans' plan, the negotiations, this deal on the table, he said the gaps remain, about uh, having the hostages released in exchange for a lengthy ceasefire. Given that all attention now has turned to what might happen in Rafa, where do you think that leaves that the potential for that deal going ahead? Huge pressure on that. And in fact, a lot of uh, President Biden's remarks yesterday at the White House were on that. The U.S. is pressing as hard as it can. So are Arab states uh, to try to close the gaps. The gaps are still significant. But Israel has agreed to send its spy chief to Cairo, where Hamas leaders are also there. These are obviously indirect talks. Uh, And we heard yesterday that Israel, we that we can expect an answer from Israel in the next day or so as to whether or not this is going to work. There is a framework. They have made some progress, but there are some issues about it. Most of all, Israel believes that Hamas wants to keep in place its own presence in Gaza. It wants to end the war on its terms. And again, this is an absolute red line for Israel. But President Biden is pushing for this because the Americans believe this is the only way to a ceasefire, an extended humanitarian pause, which can provide a breathing space to work on longer-term issues and to turn it into an end to the war and what they would hope, although it is hugely, hugely ambitious, 
um, basically a remaking of that whole region. Lise, thank you very much for taking us through all of that and explaining it so well. That's Lise Doucette there from the BBC. Strong comments this morning from the Minister for Enterprise, Trade and Employment, Simon Coveney, um, on his way into Cabinet this morning on all of this. And he said that Israel doesn't need to behave like a monster to defeat a monster. He said we're witnessing Israel behaving like a rogue state, quite frankly, that they're ignoring the International Court of Justice. He said they seem now to be even ignoring their closest allies in countries like the United States and the UK, who are clearly calling for restraint, looking for the basis of a ceasefire, wanting to work with Israel to bring an end to this savagery that is continuing in Gaza. And I think those of us who contribute to international calls for a ceasefire need to intensify those calls now. Those comments from Simon Coveney in the last little while. Back with more after the break. Text 51551. Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1.